This is Wellbeing Well Said, the podcast with me, Sarah Maloof. Join me as I chat with fitness gurus, business owners, wellness experts, and other inspiring individuals as together we dive into what it means to live well. Let me tell y'all, it's always something. I'm recording right now from our cousin's house. Thank goodness they were kind enough to let us come stay with them because around three o'clock this afternoon, a tornado and huge storm went through Jackson and we have not had power ever since. So if you hear dogs in the background, if you hear kids, it's fine. We're just with some family. But I had to record this so I could tell you about today's guest, Sadie Rudinsky. She's a writer, recipe creator, and freshman at UC Berkeley. She's the author of the new book, Whole Girl, Live Vibrantly, Love Your Entire Self, and Make Friends with Food. For six years, she has touched the lives of girls and women worldwide with her award-winning website, wholegirl.com, where she shares feel-good paleo treat recipes and advice for living an empowered life. Her writing has been published in places such as Mind Body Green, Shape, and the New York Times. Y'all, I have a copy of Whole Girl at my house, and I was flipping through it the other day, and I had to go out of my way to message Sadie and just say, I am so impressed by you, and I wish I had a copy of this book 15 years ago. She is wise beyond her years. I love her whole concept of living whole. It really ties into the message that I've been preaching here, and I'm just so excited to have her on this episode again. She's just so mature, has so much knowledge, and I can't wait for y'all to hear this episode. So please welcome Sadie to Wellbeing Well Said. Sadie, I have to say I'm infatuated by you. I also want to say that I've never believed in past lives, but hearing you speak, I'm like, there's no way that girl's 19. (laughs) I think you're like an elder, wiser version of definitely myself at 19, but really most any 19 year old I've ever come across. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. And I so much because you are so young, but so mature and smart. Can you tell me about your upbringing, your parents, how you were raised is, were you raised in a house that was very focused on health and education? Just tell me about your, your childhood. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did have kind of a, a quirky childhood. We, we live in LA, but we're sort of in the mountains and, um, we so we just spent a lot of time like on the trails hiking and making fairy gardens and stuff um and we we didn't have technology so um we didn't have tv until i was like maybe 12 or something so we spent a lot of time creating things but i think we didn't consume a lot of things like we didn't have really pop culture. So we were, we were making our own things, our own shows and songs and, um, and movies and things like that. We did a lot of like making family movies and stuff. So, um, yeah, we also did a lot of cooking. My mom is an amazing cook and my dad too. And so I think it was a lot of just exploring different forms of art and, and, and none of it was done in a, in a like professional way where it was like, you have to do this or you have to be enrolled in this class or anything. It was just like for fun. And I think that was really, that was really magical. So, um, yeah, that was sort of my upbringing. Um, I went to an alternative school (laughs) that probably accounts for a lot of the, the things I do now because it was, it was focused a lot less on like, um, standard curriculum of, you know, you have to be 
doing like math at this age and taking tests in first grade and all this, like, and I turned out very into academics and stuff, but it wasn't like forced on me at a young age. And I think that allowed me a lot more time for um, exploring different things and different, different forms of art and stuff like that. So I think that that has a lot to do with it, but um, you're so sweet. Thank you. I, (laughs) I um, (laughs) am, I'm honored to be on here and, and that you want to know more about me and stuff, but yeah, I think that's a lot of my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say we, is it just you and your parents or do you have siblings? I have an older brother. Yeah. So it's like the four of us. I love the creativity aspect of that. I mean, when I think about my childhood, it was so similar, but I'm also 10 years older than you. So like literally home computers weren't even a thing when I was super young, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it's just so special and it shows because you're obviously creative now and you're putting all this amazing work out into the world. But you also grew up vegan, vegetarian, right? One of the two. Oh, yeah. Wow. You like, you're so well like studied. That's amazing. I <laughs> did grow up vegetarian. Um, we live in a very like sort of hippie area where I feel like almost every, almost everyone is vegan. It's nuts, but, um, yeah, we grew up vegetarian, um, because of our concern for animals and for the planet and for our health. Um, and we were all vegetarian until I was like 12. And after I gone gluten free, which we can talk about, but you know, there wasn't much to eat being gluten-free and vegetarian. It was like lettuce if I wanted to have a meal. Um, And I wasn't getting the nutrition I needed. I could just tell, like I already felt better going gluten-free. It solved my stomach issues, but I still was like lacking and just luster, (laughs) lack luster, Um, lacking in energy and strength. So um, we went to stay on a a farm in Vermont, just like um, a B&B for a couple days in the summer. And they were a grass-fed cattle farm and we got to, you know, stay right next to the cows and see how happy they were. And then in the morning, um, the woman who owned the Airbnb made us breakfast using, you know, meat, pork from their pigs and meat from their cows. It was like the first time I was eating any red meat or anything before. And I was like, whoa, this is good. <laughs> so that I was like, wow, this is what everyone's been talking about. So that summer I started eating meat. I had a burger the next day. It was just like, wow, this is amazing. A whole um, new world. It was a whole new world. So <laughs> I've been eating meat ever since then, but <clears throat> it's interesting because there's, there's so much, um, I feel like stigma, especially in the wellness communities, you probably know around eating meat. And like, it's just sort of assumed that veganism is that. And I think that this is misleading for many reasons, but number one is just, man, you got to know yourself and what works for you. And I think it's preposterous to, you know, force a diet on anyone. And it was pretty clear when I started eating meat that for me, meat was really important at being healthy because Mm. I immediately got so much stronger. I started yoga and running and all this stuff that like I never did before because I just had so much energy. I got stronger. And I think I was getting for the first time, a lot of the iron and B vitamins Mm -hmm. and protein and fat that I was missing um, from not having beef in particular. And so I think the stigma around eating meat is so, it's so crazy. And also because there's so much um, emerging evidence on the power of of cows to actually help our um, environment and help reverse climate change if they're regeneratively farmed. Um, 
and also the power of meat on our health. And a lot of people I've talked to who used to be vegetarians say that eating meat and specifically beef just completely transformed their health because they were deficient in so many vitamins and minerals beforehand. So anyway, that's a bit of a tangent on meat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if you were asking for that, but I just think it's such an important thing to talk about, especially amongst young women, because there's so much pressure to go vegan. And it's assumed that that's like the moral the morally correct and health-wise correct um, thing to go. But I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Oh, for sure. That's very interesting. I've noticed the same. I just lean towards more plant-based than meat-based, but I do eat meat. And, you know, other than a few different phases of life, for the most part, I've always been a meat eater. But like you were saying, I have thalassemia and anemia. They're both Mm -hmm. iron deficiencies in the blood. And I can actually sense when it's like, okay, I need red meat. I need it. My body's telling me because I need that iron and everything that comes with it. And I definitely feel stronger and it gives me, sometimes I get shaky and weak and I can just sense that. But what would you say to someone if they are kind of in the in between, they don't know what's going to work best for them. Should I be vegetarian? Should I be vegan? Should I eat meat? Should I only eat red or should I never eat red? You know, all that. Were you always so in tune with your body or is there the, a process that you went through to get to this place? I mean, I think I got, I think I've always been pretty in touch with my body because my mom always raised me to like constantly listen to my body and like that's the whole basis of my book, Whole Girl, is like listening to our bodies and embracing all of our moods. And that all came from her. So I think I was always pretty in touch with it, probably like to the extreme where I was like always, always like very in touch with how I was feeling and like um, any slight, you know, change in my body. Like if I had a slight stomach ache or anything, like I would be so in touch with it. But I think I got that relationship even furthered when I um, got really sick, which turned out to be because of gluten intolerance. And I was out of school for half a year and just really bad stomach pain every day. And I think that's when I really started getting in touch with my body even more and listening to it. Um, and I went gluten-free and that completely changed my health and took away all of my symptoms. But I, but since then I, I had, I think I grew that relationship more because several years after going gluten-free, I started getting stomach aches again. And this time I would like, I checked in with myself and I knew that it was grains that was doing it. So I, I went off all grains, even gluten-free ones like rice and corn and my problems went away and they haven't come back since. So I was sort of like, I had been reading science on grains and I already had my grain-free dessert blog, but I wasn't eating fully grain-free um, and so I like had that science in there and I knew, and like, I felt my stomach aches and I knew that like something was off in my diet. So I just tried that and it fixed it. And I, <laughs> I didn't have to go back to the drawing board of doctors because that was like such a drag before, because they were all, you know, saying, you know, food doesn't play a role in your health and you mm-hmm. just need some more tests and medication or whatever. So it was nice to like be able to sort of fix that myself. It's not always that easy, obviously, but I think there's something really powerful in, in like listening to the way our bodies are feeling and just trying stuff based on that. Because I think there's a lot of hesitancy, at least this was me as a vegetarian, um, to even just like start eating meat because it was sort of so stigmatized. And I think that, Like to answer your question of like how you know like which meat to try or anything, I would say just start eating it 
and, you know, start eating chicken and beef. Beef is, I've read that beef is, you know, much more um, nutritious than, than chicken. The environment in which we could get into, but um, I would say just start eating it and see how you feel and start eating it for like a sufficient amount of time, not a day, but like a couple months and see how you feel. And like, if that's what works for you, then like stick with that and do it. No matter if you get pressure to go vegan or, you know, feel like it's the morally wrong thing to do to eat meat, I would say just do it because only we know how our bodies are feeling. And if there's one thing I learned when I was younger from the, you know, going to dozens of doctors about my stomach issues was that the doctors aren't versed in all of these stomach pains and issues and stuff in med school because, they probably just don't have time for it, but they're also not versed in, they're not versed in how to listen to people about what they're feeling. So when I went to a doctor and was like, this is my stomach problem. This is how I'm feeling. They just like, they couldn't listen to it. They had like a list of, you know, stomach issue textbook situations in their head and like tests that you do for them, but they couldn't like actually listen to what my symptoms were and how food might play a role. So I think in that case, it's so powerful to like forge that relationship with your body and be able to like try out different forms of eating and stuff because the doctors aren't always able to offer that, which can be really, really frustrating. It was extremely frustrating at the time. Oh, I bet. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you just said something that's so interesting to me that can go, you can take it a a variety of different ways, but about listening and you, I think it'll be very easier. I know it's very easy to get defensive or offended when someone, when you feel like someone's not listening to you or you don't agree with them, or you know, something else is going on and your diagnosis is not matching what you're feeling. And I especially think, and you know, you're on social media and everything in today's age and going back to even the vegan vegetarian thing, it's like, we don't all have to agree on this one thing, but we do have to listen to each other and we do have to be willing to learn and we do have to be receptive to change. And that goes across the board on so many different things. But I just think that practice of listening to understand, and you were even in this case, even if you didn't agree with these doctors, what they were telling you, you, you didn't get like, I mean, I'm sure you were frustrated, but you're like, okay, no, that's just not how they were educated. That's not what they were taught. Let me go figure this out on my own. And then you developed more of an understanding of your body and what worked for you. That's just really, I wanted to point that out because that was really mature. I don't even think you know that you said what you said, but that was so mature of you to process it that way. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think now I'm able to look back on it like that, but in the moment it was actually, it was actually quite frustrating because I was like a little nine-year-old here and some of them were telling me it was in my head or like I was making up the symptoms. And one doctor said to me, oh, you'll never be able to go gluten-free. And I like in that waiting room, I just burst into tears because I was so frustrated. And then that day I went gluten-free. At nine nine years old. Oh my goodness. So it was like, my mom was like, oh, you messed with the wrong girl. (laughs) You (laughs) don't want to get a normal (laughs) nine-year-old. Like, listen, did you ever feel, was that ever hard? Like, because you were so in tune and because you were wise beyond your years with this wellness space and educating yourself and trying different ways of eating, was it hard when you were around other people your age as a nine-year-old, as a 12-year-old, as a 15-year-old, when you were making all these lifestyle changes when people your age probably really weren't, or maybe they were in the same boat as you? It's interesting. Um, it, yeah, that was never really an issue. I think part of it is definitely the place I, I live and like the community here. Everyone is sort of 
doing some sort of weird, you know, (laughs) some sort of like diet change or something. But I mean, it was hard. This is why I started my, my blog. It was whole girl now. It was goodies against the grain back then, but I started it when I was 12 because I, I was missing out. I, it wasn't as much of like a peer pressure thing, but I was, I was missing out on just like the fun of desserts themselves and like, um, you know, going gluten-free it, originally when I first did it, it sort of felt like the fun is sapped out of food now because for mm-hmm. me, the fun of food was like always desserts and like sweet things and baked goods and stuff like that. And I couldn't have them all of a sudden. So that's why I started the blog and thank God I was feeling deprived because I got to create, um, such a, like a business around it about like around, you know, giving us these, these nourishing desserts that can make it so we're never deprived. Um, so that was, that was sort of, uh, I think the one thing where I felt like, cause I, I, I think going, going gluten-free, it felt so good on my body. And I was like, this is obviously the right for me, but it was kind of a bummer at first. Like I was kind of like bummed out about food and not excited about it at all. And that's not a place I want to be. And I always want to be like excited about food and into it. So that's why I started um, making my own recipes and stuff. And I'm, it, it was really cool because that completely made it so that I wasn't missing out on anything at all. Amazing. Okay. So when you started making your own recipes, were you totally self-taught? Did you make other people's recipes and then do spinoffs of your own? How did you evolve into becoming such a baker? You're such a professional. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, that took a while. I was not born a baker. I, I made a lot of other people's recipes because my mom was... Um, she does more like savory cooking. Like she make, she makes like, um, not as many like baked goods. We did some baking, but I, I just started like, I, I didn't know much about baking. So I just started making other people's recipes. Um, there were like three gluten-free baking blogs back then. Like now it's everyone, but even 10 years ago, it was like, it was like no one, let alone right. paleo. Like I had one of the first, like dedicated paleo dessert blogs. Um, and I just made other people's recipes forever. Like I would do every day I would make another recipe. And then after a couple of years I started, yeah, I started doing spinoffs. I started just making my own. Um, because I think once you have like the basics down of the different ratios, you can kind of play around with it. Like you can give me, you know, the amount of coconut flour. You can just give me some coconut flour. I'll put the right amount of eggs in it and I can make something with it. So that, that was kind of a fun moment when I realized that like I had been doing it long enough to where I could just play with it and get creative. And that was, that was when the real fun started to happen. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So now you've been featured on, you've been on E! News, you've been written up, you've have like New York Times, I think, right? You've got a book, all these things. Yeah. When did your creative outlet and hobby of this blog turn into a business and how? Ooh, that's a really good question. I've never thought about that. Um, hmm. Well, I think it was a couple years ago. Yeah, I would say like maybe... Th- uh, I started, um, thinking about this book, whole girl when I was like a freshman in high school. So that was about four years ago. And I started creating a book proposal and I, I knew I wanted the book to be whole girl. So I, I transitioned my brand to be called whole girl at the same time. 
which I don't think anyone knew because I hadn't announced the book. I didn't announce the book until last year. So um, I was secretly making the book um, and I wanted my, my whole brand to be a whole girl. So I started working on the book and writing the book proposal. And it's interesting because I think the book is really the foundation of the brand and not vice versa. Like that is, I had had my baking blog for a while, but I wanted to make it something that wasn't just about desserts. It was about the whole aspect of every aspect of being a girl and the, our whole selves, all of our moods and our, our physical well-being and our mental well-being and all of that stuff. So that started about four years ago. And I also started sort of branching out and making connections with different, really inspiring women, um, usually through food. Like I would bake for them and we'd create a relationship. And um, yeah, that sort of all started during high school. And I started writing more. I started writing some articles for some magazines. Um, I started a a column. It ended up only being one article, but called the teen girl revolution. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really fun. So I started, I, that's, I think when I sort of started to talk about things more than just the recipes and it was because that was at a time when I was sort of, you know, entering high school and seeing the ways that, that young women are treated and the way that we treat ourselves. And, how it's very intertwined with food, the way that, you know, our society sort of shames us around food and makes us feel guilt around food. Um, They do that with a lot of other things too, with our bodies, with our emotions. So I sort of wanted to tie all of that into, um, into a book and a brand and just an idea about like, how can we nourish ourselves, every part of ourselves, every aspect of our lives um, as young women. That's amazing. Could you, I want to learn so much more about your book. I can't wait to get it and read it. Will you tell us on more of a micro level, what kind of topics you do cover specifically in the book, the style of the book? Is it, is it, isn't it half cookbook and then half? Okay. Tell us more about (laughs) it, please. So it's a, it's a wild combination of recipes and life empowerment advice and mindful movements and advice from other women. Um, and it's just really a combination of things that I like to use in my own life and remind myself of every day. (laughs) I put it all into one book. Um, and it's really just here to make young women feel nourished and a way for us to practice self-love and embracing every single part of ourselves. So for me, a huge part of that has been food and specifically these, these paleo treat recipes because they make my body feel so good and they taste incredible. So half of the book um, in every chapter, there are these paleo treat recipes, brand new recipes that I created. And the other half of the book is um, life empowerment advice. So I talk about issues that are not only well-being things like how to get enough sleep and how to practice mindfulness, but also things about like how to stand up for ourselves and how to get in touch with our gut so that we can say no in uncomfortable situations and how we can get uncomfortable, um, get comfortable with the unknown in our lives and being unsure about things. I talk about standing up for ourselves when we see something that's not right about getting mad, about the power of owning our bossiness. So there's so many different ways it goes. And each chapter is a different mood. So there's be mad, be bossy, be blue, be afraid. And in each of those chapters, I offer advice and recipes and and mindful movements. And I really wanted to categorize it by mood because I wanted 
it to be a way um, for us to explore all the different parts of ourselves. And then within the chapter is basically ways to nourish that part of ourselves. So you can, if you're, you know, you wake up and you're feeling kind of blue, you can turn to be blue and it's filled with pages um, to help nourish you and to help you feel good in that, in that state of being that you're in. So I wanted it to be sort of a, I wouldn't even call it like a toolkit because it's not like how to do this and this and this, but just sort of an exploration of ways to feel good in these different states of being and to embrace every part of ourselves. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the the teen girl experience, especially right now with social media, but really always is like sort of trying to change the way we are, whether it's you know, the way we look or the way we're feeling like our, our, you know, visceral emotions to change it, to fit in the box, um, that society is telling us, um, uh, we should fit in because we get so much pressure from, from, you know, adults and from the media, from TV shows, from social media to be a certain way and act a certain way. And I wanted this to sort of be a rebellion against that so that every page is just like, helping us to embrace how we're feeling right now, as opposed to, you know, what someone else says we should be feeling and being like right now. Um, so, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's like half cookbook, half empowerment, but I think it really all got very nicely tied together into this one sort of celebration of our whole selves. So it's, it's all intertwined. And I think it is, food is such a huge part of our lives. We eat three times a day, (laughs) but it's also, you know, such a point of contention in our lives and such a source of shame and guilt. So I like that food is specifically desserts, which we probably feel the most shame about on the whole. Um, That's part of the, the whole self, you know, that is intertwined throughout the book as a part of who we are and something that we can um, embrace further. Brilliant. That is brilliant. And without giving away too much, because I know you want people to get the book and read for themselves, obviously, but the example you gave be blue. So I know we're, no one wants to stay blue. Nobody wants to stay down. You know, we want to feel positive and happy and good about ourselves. So can you explain a little bit more about how you talk about being in the moment, feeling yourself, being this whole girl, but also striving to be a better version of self? Interesting. Yeah. You know, I don't really talk about in the book. I guess that's what might separate it from like a self-help book in my mind. Kirk has called it a self-help book. So maybe it is, but (laughs) I, um, but I, it's interesting because I don't think I wrote it thinking that we don't really need to be told to be better versions of ourselves right now. And I think that that's because we get, we get so much pressure every single day <laughs> to be a different way. I didn't want to write a book that was telling girls, be this way, be that way. Instead, I wanted it to be, be who and what you are exactly right now. So the different chapters are literally named, be blue, be mad, be afraid. So it's like, be whatever you are right now. And I think that it's kind of a spiritual practice as well. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle, but he's my favorite spiritual teacher. And he, he, he wrote The Power of Now, and he talks about the power of <laughs> the power of now, the power of being just being right now. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be yourself. You don't have to be, you know, that sister, that mother, that daughter, you don't have to be any role. You can just be right now. So that's why each chapter is named be, B 
be bossy, be blue, be afraid, because I wanted us to just sort of sit with what we're feeling right now Mm. and nourish that state of being without having to change ourselves or make ourselves better or different in any way, Mm -hmm. better in air quotes. (laughs) Um, And so for example, you, you mentioned be blue. That's the chapter where I talk about the power of, of feeling our emotions and letting them wash over us. Um, this is something my mom always taught me when I was feeling blue was just to let myself feel it mm. and to let myself sit with it, to cry, to scream, whatever I needed to do, and then let it wash over me and out of my system. So I wasn't holding on to it. And the book I talk about how that's, that's sort of a hard process to do in this age of constant connectivity and, um, just the barrage of media. We are basically, you know, entrenched in every day. Totally. So, yes. Yeah. It's, yes. it's hard to like, after my, I tell the story of how after my beloved dog of 18 years died, I was trying to instantly numb the sad feeling by just going on my phone, but it made me feel like crap. And it was like, mm-hmm. I just numbed the feeling. I wasn't actually feeling it. So it kind of all bottled up, but what I have sort of been teaching myself to do since then is to get off my phone. Don't check Twitter. Don't like scroll through Instagram just to sort of disconnect from everything and take a little while with myself. That could be a couple minutes just to breathe, or it could be a, a day or, you know, a couple of days just to get in touch with the way I'm feeling. And I think that there's a lot of different ways we can do that for me often going for a walk does that just a mm-hmm. gentle walk, doing some really gentle stretching or yoga something to get me back in my body and sort of out of my head. And I think that there's, I, even after I wrote the book, I've been thinking more and more about the power of getting in our bodies and how that's, that's something that we've been classically conditioned to not do. We've been conditioned to be at war with our bodies and to view our bodies like this, this enemy, but our body is our friend. We are not our bodies, but we inhabit our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think that getting in touch with our physicality, like for me going on a walk is so powerful because I, I feel my feet hitting the earth. I feel the swing of my legs and my arms and I, I feel my breath moving through my body. And I think all of those little points of contact with our body can help us feel our emotions and enter the moment. And I think when we feel our emotions and we fully embrace and express them in any way we want, that's when they can then flow out of our system. Mm. And so it's like, you're not necessarily holding onto it or letting it fester, but it's like allowing yourself the time and space to fully honor it. That's beautiful. And I'm sure if people are like me listening, they're like, oh, nobody wants to see me really feel my anger. Nobody really (laughs) wants to be around me if I'm really feeling sad or whatever. But I can only imagine by trying to implement being in the moment more and more over time, you actually process and react in a much more efficient, stronger way, not only for yourself, but for others around you. Because just listening to you talk, it's like you're hearing what's really or learning about what's really important and just being going on a walk, for example, like you said, you can feel your feet touch the ground. Like, wow, I'm here in this moment, able to walk, be in this body, feel this joy and be present. And I think a lot of our emotion is actually stemmed from, like you said, this outside world and things that might not really even matter to us, but we're conditioned to react instead of feel and process and be, we're just reacting. And once you're able to actually learn how to be and process 
your reactions will probably be a lot more realistic and stable and um, what you actually need in that moment for you and not for anyone else. I love that concept. Where can people find your book? Yeah, I'm sure everyone's so yeah. excited to buy it. After oh, yes. you talk about it. <laughs> you can get it on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. You can support your local bookshop. It's in most of those. It's called Whole Girl. Live vibrantly, love your entire self, and make friends with food. My voice got super low. <laughs> it's, by, it's by Sadie Radinsky. So get whole girl everywhere books are sold. Amazing. Amazing. Are there any, I know this is a, obviously a huge project that you just got out there. Is there anything else that you're working on or that you want to speak on right now? Ooh, I'm working on other stuff. I can't, I can't tell you right now. But okay. A lot of exciting stuff stemming from this. Um, I'm going to move up to college in a couple months. I haven't oh. announced that yet, but yeah. <laughs> for you, where do you go? I'm going to UC Berkeley. I mean, I already go there, but I've never been there physically before. So that'll be really cool. Wow. That's exciting. And where can people follow you on Instagram? And then after you tell us this and plug yourself, I still have a final question, but go ahead and tell us okay. where people can connect with you. <laughs> Yeah. So Instagram is Sadie Radinsky. My website is wholegirl.com. And again, the book is Whole Girl. Live vibrantly, love your entire self and make friends with food. Uh, I love it. Okay. I ask every single guest this to wrap up the episode. And so in your own words, Sadie, what does it mean to live well? To me, living well is feeling everything that comes up and embracing it as part of who I am instead of trying to squelch it in any way, fully feeling it and expressing it. And to me, that's living well and living in my, in my power. Ah, oh, amazing. I just love you. Like I said, I'm infatuated by you. I love following you on Instagram. I can't wait to read your book, Whole Girl. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a, a treat. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wellbeing Well Said, the podcast. If you liked what you heard and you would like to support me, it would mean so much if you would subscribe to the show, rate and review, and spread the word. Tell your friends, tag me on Instagram, all the things that really does help me grow and helps me create more content that I can put out for you all. 